turn in our Bibles this morning once again to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, please. I always look forward to every conference, especially sharing with other brethren, to when the Lord shows how the messages will overlap or dovetail, as it's called. And uh, it certainly is uh, happening already. I enjoy so much hearing Keith's ministry, especially from the book of Philippians that deals with suffering because we're going to look at just that as our starting point in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'd like you to look, please, starting in verse 21. This morning we're going to look at Simon Peter after the introduction yesterday that got off to a rocky start. We're going to see this morning how Simon Peter was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the series is Simon Peter and Me. The question we need to be asking is, how am I following? And we see in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21, we'll read right through verse 25, what the Lord Jesus does in helping us to follow Him. And Peter writes these words from his own personal experience. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was guile found in His mouth, who, when He was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Verse 25 concludes this reading, and it says, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Shall we ask the Lord to bless these words to our hearts and as we look at Simon Peter's life as a follower of him. Let's pray. Our Father, once again, we readily acknowledge that without you, Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. But we do seek to follow you. And as we follow your steps... We pray, O oh Lord, that you will speak to our hearts, draw us closer to yourself. We pray in the name that is above every name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, did you notice that repeated in verse 21, that we should follow his steps? As you turn in your Bible, go back to the gospel of Luke chapter 5 just for a moment, because we want to see Simon Peter as a follower of the Lord Jesus. As you find your place in Luke chapter 5, I want to remind you that we're looking at the life of Simon Peter and looking at the different junctures or intersections where his life intersects with the life of the Lord Jesus, and we're wanting to learn the lessons that Simon Peter learned so that we can gain all of the benefit without any of the embarrassment. By his experience, we gain if we're wise. And so the experiences that we see, especially in the times where we see his life overlapping with the Lord Jesus and the lessons there, we're going to see how the Lord weaves together a particular theme. It's a theme that you can follow all the way through his life, and it's the theme of following. 
We're following the Lord Jesus Christ one step and one day at a time. And each step along the way is not to make a distance between us, but to draw us closer to Him. Simon Peter learned the importance of staying close through the things that he experienced in defeat. We, we want to learn those lessons, and I pray that it will renew a closeness in our lives with the Lord that we will draw up any distance that has come between us. That's the benefit, isn't it, of coming away from all the busyness of life just to come away to a quiet place to spend time with Him. And I know sometimes even at conferences we can get busy, but I'm finding already at this conference, true as at any conference, some of the best insights and the dearest fellowship take place right after we close a meeting in prayer. Listen, the sharing that we have with one another in between meetings, that's the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. That's the the redeeming quality of any conference those intimate conversations that we can have together in the Lord's presence, just one-on-one or with a few together. It far surpasses any of the preaching that you'll hear from me because that's the best insights after we close in prayer that we can share these things and how they apply to our lives. And so we look now how the, that Simon Peter, a follower of the Lord Jesus, sought to follow him closely. Now we're going to look at three areas where he followed the Lord. Many of the occasions, but three areas. We're going to start watching him follow him all the way down at the Sea of Galilee. You've got to start somewhere, you know. And he started, well, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level, you know. So you can't get much lower than that unless it's the Dead Sea, the lowest point on earth. But he started following the Lord all the way down at the Sea of Galilee. Secondly, we're going to see how Simon Peter followed him all the way up on the heights of the mountains, that transfiguration mountain. And then thirdly, with the Lord's help, we want to watch Simon Peter follow him from here on home to glory. And that's what we want to see. And that's what we want to do and learn the lessons at each place. First, let's see him following him down by the sea. When we follow what the Gospel of Luke chapter 5 tells us we're going to see Simon Peter getting caught and then being called and then taking a challenge. Look in Luke chapter 5 verse 1, please. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, I'll read right through verse 11. It says, Now so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, 
saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Again, the theme of following, we start down by the sea. Now, there are two great catches that take place in this portion. Of course, the great catch of fish, that's one thing. But there was a greater catch, and that's when Simon Peter himself was caught. Caught by the Lord through the experience that he had. The, that Simon Peter began following the Lord Jesus down by the sea when he was caught in the way that the Lord Jesus stepped into his life. And it's marvelous when you consider it. Remembering what we just read there by the Lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, all the same. It's called uh, a few different names in the, in the Scriptures, but that's where we're at, by the Sea of Galilee. A great multitude thronging the Lord, as often was the case up into the upper region of Israel in the Galilee. And it got so crowded that there were two boats there, and the Lord Jesus chose one boat. Now, it is no coincidence at all that the boat that the Lord Jesus chose was Simon's boat. You know, he loves to step into our life, doesn't he? The things that we hear sometimes in ministry, we feel like the Lord just got into our boat, don't we? I mean, it may be anybody giving the word out, and we're hearing what's being said, unknown to the speaker, and you can say, wait a minute, he's talking about me. He's rocking my boat. And the Lord Jesus chose one boat out of two, and it was Simon's. No coincidence at all. If you're hearing something here this week for conference time that is touching you in a particular sensitive spot, be aware. This is the Lord stepping into your boat. How will you respond to it? Well, the Lord, he spoke. Now, let me ask you, when the Lord told Simon, push out a little, where do you think Simon was? Was he in the boat or back on shore? Of course, he had to be in the boat. You know, when you're sitting beside the preacher, you can hear everything very clearly. Someone asked me the other day, why do you sit up on the front row? <laughs> Less distractions. Huh? Simon Peter had a front row seat. He was in the balcony seat, wasn't he? Up close, really, so he wouldn't be distracted by anything else happening and sitting right there in the same boat with the Lord. It's his boat. The Lord's in his boat, and he's speaking to the multitudes, but Simon Peter's listening to every word. And that word is going to produce fruit in just a minute. After he had finished speaking, he made his request. And the request was one simple request, and you'll notice what it says. Look in verse 4, if you will. Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Now, I'm trying to pronounce that as clearly as I can, that when he says, launch out into the deep, let down your nets. <laughs> well, I mean, they had many nets. That's the way you did fishing. You join one net to the other net to the other net, and you would a, make a big half circle of nets, and then you'd start pulling them in, and that's where the great catch would be. But if you're letting down just one net, because that's what Simon Peter responded with. He said, Master, we've toiled all night. 
We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That's a big difference. I marvel at the way the Lord uses every language in which the Bible is translated to make important points for us. It's different in every language, but in the English language, I think of that word that's made up of three little words, nevertheless. It's about the last word you want to use when you're speaking to the Lord. Nevertheless, Master, we've toiled all night. You might be a good teacher, but we know all about fishing. We know this sea like the back of our hand. We know if you fished all night and you caught nothing, you're not going to catch anything in the morning. Nevertheless, <laughs> I tell you what, you'd be better off to use the opposite of nevertheless. You should say all the more. <laughs> and he said, nevertheless, I'll cast in the net, just one net. And when he did it, the net filled up with such an abundance of fish that it was about to break. And he called for the others to help. Who would that be? You know, the Lord's putting together a wonderful team here, isn't he? James and John, who are partners with Simon, they come in the other boats. And they all try to hold up the net, and it was about to break because of the abundance of fish. And you'll see that in verse 8, the reaction to all this. Look at what happened to Simon Peter in this. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What did all this do? Well, it touched Simon right in his heart. He was astonished as well as convicted about what just took place. He had come face to face with the Lord of glory. And he had recognized his sinfulness. We heard about Job a little while ago. Not why the righteous suffer, but how the righteous suffer. To what benefit do the righteous suffer? Job said, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes have seen you and I repent in, or in dust and ashes. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6 when he went into the temple, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his response was, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of, an unclean, uh, of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King. And Simon Peter, when he saw the Lord in all of his power, being able to make such a command as this, and a great catch of fish, he was caught. And he said, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. A great catch of fish, what can it do? Well, I'll tell you what it did for these fishermen. It gripped them all, as it tells us in verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And it mentions James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Andrew's in on this fishing trip as well. And the Lord Jesus reassured their hearts by saying, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Let me just mention to you one other scripture verse down by the sea. It's in the Gospel of Mark. We won't turn to it, but if you want to make a note, it's Mark chapter 1 
and it's verses 12 through 16, or 16 through 20, rather, Mark 1, 16 through 20, it's when the Lord Jesus in this same situation, walking by the Sea of Galilee, calls Simon, Peter, and Andrew, James and John, to follow him. And he says, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Here, Simon Peter got caught. And after getting caught, he's called. And after he's called, he's about to take a challenge. But in this particular situation, it tells us in Luke chapter 5, verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and here's our key word, and followed him. Now, I've been fishing before, and I remember the first time we were down in the Bahamas suffering for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Keith knows it. They said, uh, after Sunday meeting that night, they said, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, you and Sister Nancy are going to go fishing. And I said, very spiritually, well, we'll go for the fellowship. Three fellows in a ship, you know. We'll go for the fellowship, but we're not really fishermen. And he said, because he's heard this stuff before from preachers, he said, tomorrow you're going to fish and you're going to catch something. I'd never caught a fish before. I'd gone fishing and caught nothing. Do you know in one hour, not even using a rod or a reel, just using the line and a hook and some bait, we caught 53 fish in one hour. We were hooked. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened to Simon Peter. He found out that he had met the master of everything, the one who could fish. I've also been out and caught nothing with a professional fisherman as the guide. Do you know what he told me? He said, you know, even a bad day fishing is better than the best day at the office. And he was right. Think of this, professional fishermen catching nothing, seeing what the Lord could do to load them with benefits. I tell you, there are so many benefits coming to Christ, all in the package plan. For God, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. It's all in the package of Christ, freely bestowed on all who believe. One morning after the meeting, getting up, and this also was in the Bahamas at Spanish Wells, Brother Frank Perry started up from the pew and he said, oh, and we all panicked. What is it, Brother Frank? He said, oh, we thought it was his back or his legs or what was going on. He said, oh, he said, the Lord daily loadeth me with benefits. (laughs) Hardly get up under the weight of them. Do you realize what you have when you have Christ? You have everything. If you lack the world's goods, but you have him, you have need of nothing. But if you have everything this world has, but miss Christ, (laughs) you don't have anything. When Simon Peter realized that he was the source and supply of everything needed unto life, he recognized his sinfulness. Someone asked last night, When was Simon Peter saved? (laughs) It's hard to know exactly at what point, but I can tell you one thing. Today, what we've read, it's where he was gripped with conviction about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. And that's the Spirit's work of bringing a soul to Christ. Will he respond to it? And we know he did. Will you respond to it? Because you can't follow the Lord unless you respond 
by the convicting power of the Spirit of God. Depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Do you know that they started to follow the Lord, not only being caught, being called to be fishers of men. The Lord says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men but also taking the challenge. Turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. Simon Peter started following the Lord that day, becoming a fisher of men, being caught, being called, and now taking a challenge. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. You'll remember the occasion in verse 22. Matthew 14, 22 when the Lord Jesus, it tells us, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Listen, when you hit contrary waves... It doesn't mean you're going the wrong way. (laughs) Suffering is not a sign that you've done something wrong. It's an assurance that you're doing something right. It finds favor with God if we suffer, not because of ourselves, but for Him. And in the fourth watch of the night, this is Matthew 14, 25, the Lord Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, He walks and He always goes before us. And we want to follow him. Simon Peter's going to do the same thing, but look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's one of the three good cheers for the Lord Jesus. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, verse 28. And Peter answered and said, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Hmm. It's one thing to be caught. It's another thing to be called. But who's going to take the challenge? All the disciples are in the boat. But who's going to take the challenge to really follow the Lord? You know, as long as we're in the comfort of the boat, it's one thing to say we're following Jesus one day at a time one step at a time. But when he asks you to step out of the boat, now it's going to take something more. And this challenge, well, it's for Simon Peter. It's also for you and me. And the Lord said in verse 29, just one word, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, it always happens on every trip to Israel. After being up in the Galilee, we go down the Jericho Road to the Dead Sea, and we go out and float on the Dead Sea, 35% buoyancy. I mean, you can't go under the water even if you try. You're floating, whether on your back or on your tummy. (laughs) You can do everything. And somebody in every group will say, no wonder he could walk on the water. Wrong water. We're still up at the Sea of Galilee. You can't walk on the Sea of Galilee unless the Lord enables you. But His commands are always His enablements. Our responsibility is to respond to His ability. So Simon Peter rightly said, If it's you, Lord, 
Tell me to come. And the Lord said, Come. And Peter, he went. He had enough courage. He had a little faith, enough to get out of the boat. But you know the story. He stepped out onto the water and his eye began to wonder. His heart began to fear. His feet began to sink. And he cried out. One of the shortest prayers in the Bible. You know, short prayers are answered in quick time. Lord, save me. And it tells us that immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and saved him, and said to him in the end of verse 31, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? What did that little faith get him? (laughs) It got him safe in the arms of Jesus. (laughs) You know, I would never have done anything like that, sinking, walking on the water. That's what the other disciples could say. Peter, sit down. You're rocking the boat. Well, Peter had a little faith, but it was enough to get him out of the boat. What about the others? On another occasion, the Lord in a boat on the sea said, how is it that you have no faith? (laughs) Which one would you rather have? There are a lot of people that have never failed in doing anything for God. And you know why? Because we haven't tried to do anything for God. I remember when the Lord touched our hearts about being willing to go anywhere for Him. Follow Him. Wherever He leads, we'll follow. And the Lord led us to Africa. Somebody suggested, well, why don't you go and try it out and visit just to see if you like it or not? Well, I counted up the money in the checking account, and I said, you know, if the Lord leads us, we'll go one time and stay. But I got to tell you, when we got there, we thought, what in the world have we done? (laughs) What were we thinking? There are scary times, aren't there, in our lives when we take the step. And then when they served up the food, I had to remember where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. (laughs) There are some scary times, aren't there, in life. It's hard to launch out, to let down, to take the step. But if you're following the Lord, you're going to follow him starting in below sea level, down by the sea. We've got to get up to the heights. Here we are, surrounded by the heights. Look, if you will, in the Gospel of Mark at this time. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. And in Mark, chapter 9, I remember the first time I read this account of the Mount of Transfiguration. Somebody told me about it. I said, nah, that can't be real. And so I read it in Mark. Then I read it in Luke. Then I read it in Matthew. You know, it's a real thing, isn't it? It really happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we simply read in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, verse 1, Mark chapter 9, verse 1, that He, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, after six days... Some of the same ones that he was speaking to six days earlier, standing there with him now, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and note this next word, and led them up on a high mountain. He led, they followed. We often read Jesus going ahead, going a little farther, going before them. And they're following the Lord Jesus up on a high mountain, apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. So you have the setting. It's a preview 
of the coming power and glory of the Lord in his kingdom. He leads them up in this setting up onto a high mountain. Whether Mount Tabor, probably Mount Hermon, the high mountain coming up from Caesarea Philippi, just 15 miles north of there, up on that high mountain, he led them and they followed. The sight they saw before them? Well, it says at the end of verse 2 that he was transfigured before them. And verse 3, that his clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow. And Mark, being the servant's gospel, says, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And we see the sight that he was transfigured. They got a glimpse of his glory and power. As that wonderful Christmas carol we sing reminds us of his incarnation, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. And they saw a glimpse of glory as if the flesh, that veil, had parted just a little bit. And the outshining of his glory, well, let me tell you what follows, a few statements. From this setting to this awesome sight, Elijah and Moses there talking with the Lord Jesus and Simon, Peter, James, and John. Well, they were so excited to be there, they started yawning and fell asleep. <laughs> that would never happen to us, would it? When they woke up, here's what we read, verse 5. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And if you're wondering why he would suggest such a thing, verse 6 helps us to understand. Because he did not know what to say. I just got to ask you, when you don't know what to say, what should you say? That's good, huh? Nothing. <laughs> if you don't know what to say, we can be quiet. But out of fear and not knowing what to say, he began to speak. For they were greatly afraid. Now, from the statement that Simon Peter makes up on the heights, seeking to follow him, he had to learn a lesson. So we have a divine interruption. And this divine interruption in verse 7 is the Father speaking. And here's what he says at the end of the verse. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. It's not what Simon Peter's saying. It's not what I say. It's what God says. And when this statement was made, a divine interruption, as if a divine introduction, this is my son, coming down from the mountain, look, if you will, in verse 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. <clears throat> Don't you just hate it? When God does something like he did in that particular setting, and then he says, now don't tell anyone what you just saw until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Turn now very quickly to 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter, look in verse chapter 1. Because in 2 Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter had held his peace long enough. The Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And Peter remembers what he saw. And here's what he writes about it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, 
Again, the theme is all about following the Lord Jesus down from the depths of the Galilee up into the heights of Hermon. And here's what we read in 2 Peter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. Isn't it amazing He gets to tell the story? What stories are you able to tell? You're following the Lord. Are you telling the story of what it means to follow Him? Down in the depths, up on the heights, tell the story. He's risen from the dead. And he goes on to say in verse 19, you and I have something better than this. We also have the prophetic word made more sure, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I'd like to read this in its proper arrangement, please. Here's the way it should be arranged. And we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed in your hearts as a light that shines in a dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises. For there we have what the Lord was doing in showing this preview of His coming glory and power to Simon Peter and to all who followed him. But there's one more. Let's go to the Gospel of John chapter 21. John's Gospel chapter 21. And in just the last couple of minutes, we see him following not only down by the sea, following up on the heights, but in John chapter 21, we see him following from here on to glory. Down and up. Brother Jabe told me one time, he said, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs in life. (laughs) Thankfully, the last one's up. Good, isn't it? There are a lot of ups and downs as you follow the Lord. And Simon Peter, he had one last word from the Lord Jesus. And what would it be except the word he would give to you and to me today? In John chapter 21, look, if you will, please, in verse 29. This he, the Lord Jesus, spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. The Lord had just told Simon Peter how he would die. Would you like to know that? Not me. (laughs) But he told Simon Peter, when you are old, you'll die a martyr's death, a witness unto death. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, two words, follow me. And Simon Peter followed the Lord from here on to glory. Did Simon Peter always follow him faithfully? No. Have we? No. But it's no wonder that he wrote those words that we've read, that we should follow his steps. And then lastly, as we read, for we were like sheep going astray, but now we've returned to the shepherd, the overseer of our souls. Let's follow him. Amy Carmichael wrote, I heard him call, come, follow. That was all. My gold grew dim 
my soul went after him. Who would not follow him if they heard him call? Are you following him? Let's follow him closely. Shall we pray? Our Father, how thankful we are for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Shepherd, for we were like sheep going astray, but we seek to follow Him. Lord, help us to take up the distance and follow You more closely than ever before. And to say like the Apostle Paul, follow me even as I follow Christ. And as we follow You, Lord Jesus, together, we thank You for the fellowship along life's way, whether down in the depths or up on the heights. But Lord, help us to follow You from here on to glory, we pray. In your name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.